Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations. Z, we're back at it. We are talking about culture. And we're talking about this concept of cultural mimesis, which is the idea that we can pick up different aspects of different cultures, uh, different traditions, different ways of life. And the more effective we are at doing that, one, it's just a richer experience for us. Two, as we've talked about in the past, it makes it easier for us to code switch. So we can blend in with more people. We know how to speak their code, speak their language. It's just an easier way of getting through life. We can find more common ground with other people. We're not inadvertently offending them because we're profaning something that they find sacred. And that's really, if you think about it, the way that human beings interact. It's the way that ideas are shared. It's fundamental to communication. We see something, we see a better way of doing things, or we see something that's interesting, and we pick it up. And that's always a way to add to life. It's always something that enhances life because it gives us some novelty, some new perspective, perhaps some better tools uh, when we're just going about our day. So this idea of cultural mimesis, it's interesting to me, mainly because it's the opposite of cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation is this weird idea that we've gotten into as a society over, I don't know, the last 10 years, last 15 years, that you can't share aspects of other people's culture. So if you're white and you're, you're mimicking something that someone Indian does or someone who's black does, Uh, or you're taking aspects of an Asian tradition, then you're appropriating culture and it's disrespectful and you should be called out on social media and shamed and canceled and so on and so forth. We've always rejected that idea. Uh, One, for the reasons we've talked about, which is that there are are clear benefits to sharing cultures and picking up different aspects of various cultures. Uh, But two, it's almost antithetical to life because the nature of life is is to share ideas and to express different points of view, to learn from others, to improve what other people have done. Or even if you're not improving it, you take something that someone else has done and you twist it, you change it to suit whatever your needs are. That's the way that we express ourselves. That's the way that we learn how we grow as a species. So the whole idea of cultural appropriation, it's almost like saying, don't talk to other people. Don't share your way of life. Don't exchange ideas. That puts us more and more in these silos. To me, it's another one of these backwards ideas that actually leads to the polarization, and it leads to a lot more damage than inadvertently taking aspects of someone else's culture and tripping the cultural appropriation police. Uh, So that's a bit of a side note, but I wanted to draw that distinction between cultural mimesis, which we're talking about, uh, which is the opposite of this concept of cultural appropriation. Z, give us your thoughts on this. How do you think about cultural mimesis? Again, a lot of this stuff out here is this mal-narrative. It's very uh, bizarre. If you think about it long enough, it makes no sense. Who owns culture? Nobody owns culture. I talked about it from the point of view of botanicals and and when you let something ferment or you let something uh, nurture within a certain range of bacterium, at one point, that bacteria begins to die. There's a point where it's beneficial. If you wait too long, it begins to die if it's exposed to the environment. So in order to make like a, an old tincture or something last, you have to seal it up. 
so that it, it, it stops growing and it produces one thing. With human beings, we want to constantly evolve and grow. So people out there that, that are opt-outs, this idea of cultural appropriation does not exist. It's a fantasy made up in common media. Everybody shares something, and the more that you share, the more that you grow. There are people, for example, who talked about hairstyles. Every culture, I've been everywhere in the world, and every culture has some form of hair processing, braiding, weaving. Every culture. I have cousins who are from a certain part of Africa, and they are my complexion with blonde hair. They just, it just comes that way. It looks weird as hell. They used to call my mother red. My mother has natural red hair. She didn't take that from an Irish person. So when people say that, I think we're promoting this idea of isolation, division, and ignorance. And so for those of us who want to just free up, whatever you feel that you're drawn to, follow that thing. I have um, family members, people that are, are closer to me than family members, because we were drawn together. I started doing martial arts as a kid. I have martial arts friends that are no different than a family member on every possible level because we enjoy the same thing. One of the reasons that I enjoy about my hobby of car building is that there's a kind of person who likes to work on things that tinker. There's a kind of person. Nobody owns tinkering. And people would say, oh, why do you tinker? That's for a certain kind of person. Yeah, I'm that kind of person. So as we evolve culturally, the more we immerse ourselves in different cultures, the more we grow as human beings. It's really that simple. And I have a real cool, uh, one of my good friends and student, and somebody's traveled with me, Rob just happened to walk in. He has to do class, and I just dragged him in and sat down. And we're just talking about culture. And I look at it as a beneficial thing. I look at it from the medicinal from the emotional, from the psychological, and from the social point of view, is the more that you understand and find things that nurture and suit your temperament, the more you grow individually. I think when people get into cultural appropriation, they're deciding they own something, which when you really look at it, it is the most absurd, bizarre, weird thing for people to say that somebody or some group owns a culture they own their yogurt, and nobody can have their yogurt unless what? How do you buy the yogurt? How do you, what about when you run out of the yogurt? What about when the yogurt goes bad? You see, so we need to have cultural mimesis for us to grow. If people don't like it, don't be around them. Don't be, just don't be around them. It's like people say, marry your own, right? So your own is your sister or brother. Marry your own kind. Your sister's fine. They're great. And so, so is your Cyclops baby. So you see, so this is what this idea of my culture gets you. And it's, it's brought nothing but suffering to humanity. It's when we travel, meet people, learn new medicines, new ways of building, new types of architecture, and we share it and blow it up. I think what people get angry about is people don't quote the history of the people that they got the code, that particular derivative or variance of culture. But if you keep going back, everybody's my fucking cousin. So it's all the same culture. So we're just returning to ourselves. That's why you have a deep epigenetic yearning to do things that might not be like everybody in your family did. 
right? Rob's here, he's a, he's a professor of acupuncture. Doesn't look real Chinese. <laughs> but he also made uh, black ghetto music. Doesn't look real ghetto, looks kind of black. He's married to a Taliban. So now there's peace in the world. This is how culture works. Look at me. I'm married to uh, some Hindu uh, who was in a cult. Uh, it works out. I learned a lot. I learned new languages. It, it challenges my IQ. It, it challenges my social IQ. So I can be a better human being. There's no such thing as we own a culture. Who is we? Just some thoughts. What are your thoughts on that, Rob? Yeah, I mean, the issue becomes who, who are the gatekeepers? Because often the gatekeepers aren't even involved in the culture that they think is being Gatekeeper appropriated. Of right? What? Who, how do, you, how do you determine that? And then the big fear is, of course, I mean, obviously we should always be respectful of where it came from and know the history and all, all the obvious pieces are in place. But I think the bigger fear is that when you're so concerned about appropriation, you can often miss the great teachers, right, and the great practitioners and the great musicians or whatever it is, you miss the great collaborators because you're so concerned that they don't fit, right? Like a white guy learning Chinese medicine or a black guy doing Tai Chi. Like, how, I might walk right by Master Z because he's not a Chinese guy. He's appropriated Tai Chi culture or Kung Fu culture. Like, so it's, I think there's a real danger in missing people that are embedded within a practice or an art um, because they don't fit some mold. Again, who, who, is, the, who is the die maker yeah. that said who fits where? You know, I, when I started venturing into my martial arts, into yoga and things like that, it, it was just something I knew from a baby that I was interested in. It's really that simple. It wasn't that complicated. Uh, I was uh, six or seven years old, had a cute little Indian girl in the back of my class, kissed her on the cheeks, so I'm a hook up with an Indian girl. So... It's really that simple. It's not that heavy, and there's no template. But I think when people want to say that they're affiliated with a die maker of something, it deals with their own insecurities. And Rob brought a big point. It's important to know the history, and oftentimes converts, so to say, to a culture know more about the culture than the people themselves. Than the people themselves. And that's why in many traditions they revere the convert. When I got involved in the yogic tradition in Hinduism, I was elevated to the level of what's called achara, which means apostle. That's what the swamis referred to me as because maybe I didn't know everything about the culture, but because of my passion and pursuit of study and understanding, it made them step up their game. And by stepping up their game, they brought more reverence, more depth in their culture because they were born into it and they never really researched it. They never thought about it. They never understood the metaphors. They never understood the relative nature of things within their culture or even the stories in the Mahabharata and the, you know, the Yaksha Prasana. They, I, I drank it up. And so when I reflected on it, they said, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So who's appropriating what? It is, us, it is our world. We live on one damn planet. One damn planet. And there's eight billion of us and none of us are that interesting. So we share with each other. We grow. And if we watch the way that our children come up when we let go of that, they're perfectly who they are. They are perfectly who they are. And hopefully we can be a, a model 
to those people who are stuck in this kind of die master code. And I've seen it when you watch these horrible shows like Indian Matchmaker. Nothing good's going to come out of that. Marrying your cousins, relatives. It's nothing ever good comes out of that. So, yeah. So, what I like to say then is that we do ourselves a favor, like your beautiful children, right? You hook up with like the most Beckiest of Becky. Becky shouldn't have been named Becky Karen. But she's ghetto as hell. I love your wife. She's a great doctor, great clinician, nutty as hell, perfect for you. She's perfect for you. Who else would put up with you? Right, Vin? Nobody's going to put up with you. So if you were to follow this idea of cocoa appropriation, you would just be miserable somewhere, you know, picking up uh, uh, bad habits from somebody. You understand what I'm saying, Vin? Yeah. Yeah, I might disagree with part of what he said, but w whatever. I get your point. And I also note that you can't spell culture without cult. Maybe you had the cult mimesis when you got married, which is slightly different. But I'm sure you benefited from that in some ways. You know, the whole thing to me is crazy. It's one of these debates that I feel like, what is the point of even getting involved in? It's so silly to me, as you're saying, who owns culture? You go back far enough, it's like, okay, someone owns it. Even if you agree that someone owns it, where did they get it from? They got it from somewhere else. Who's going to go and trace all this back? What is the implication of that? We're going to just put ourselves in these little boxes where we don't interact with anyone else. We don't pick up any new ideas. Life becomes a lot less interesting. It's just another weird societal invention recently that puts us in this state of living death. So I think we can reject the cultural appropriation stance. Uh, but uh, one thing that you mentioned, Z, which I want to touch on, you mentioned reverence. Uh, I do think it's interesting that uh, you mentioned how we're just naturally attracted to certain things. And sometimes when something is in our culture, we'll go in there and we'll be more excited about it. We'll want to drink it up. We'll want to learn as you did. And we'll actually have more reverence for it than the people who are part of that culture, because maybe they don't see it as so unique, or maybe they, they never had that natural affinity that we have for whatever endeavor we're trying to engage in. Uh, but without the reverence, because I think there's a distinction between cultural appropriation and dissing someone else's culture. And maybe this is just a, a semantics problem, or we've mislabeled things as cultural appropriation. Uh, where what people are getting upset about is that you don't credit someone else for the idea or you disrespect someone's culture, uh, you wear blackface or you piss on a native burial ground uh, or you take part in a ceremony, uh, which is a sacred ceremony, but you, you treat it as something light and you don't really understand what it's all about. And there's, there's a certain flippancy to it, which can be derogatory. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, well, that's it, not where cultural does this appropriation, Ben. That's just, I think that's not a cultural appropriation. That's just rude and sick when you uh, deface burial grounds of any kind or you're doing some kind of uh, mockery of people. That, that's not what I'm talking about. This, but this idea that people share and say that I own a culture or you don't have a right to do whatever you're doing. That's what I'm talking about. And often the people that yell the loudest have the least connection to the culture they're talking about. And this idea that you're entitled to a culture because of an accident of birth, a whim of fate, and a moment of lust, that doesn't make you what you are. 
it's the investment in the time, the energy. I've gone places where I was the only person that didn't speak a language or didn't, didn't grow up in an area. And I, because I revered the culture, I was accepted, embraced as family. I think about in my own Congolese family. My brother was an amazing drummer, and he had a student who was from Sweden named Kai Sorensen. Kai Sorensen was a Vietnam veteran. And he heard the drums while he was going through a terrible episode of post-traumatic stress issues. And he heard the drums, and the drums soothed Kai. And Kai used to sit in on the drum class. My brother tells the story. He told the same story. And he sat in the class. He began to learn to play the drum. He had no rhythm, nothing. And he would just pat the drum when my brother told him. And he said every time he touched the drum, the strain of his heart and the pain that he had been through and the horrors he had seen would dissipate. And he got better and better. And now Kai Sorens is one of the best Congolese drummers you will ever meet on earth. He is from Sweden. He is white as snow. And he is my, my brother's, he is like a brother to me. He calls me on a regular basis and he holds my brother's heart and my brother's hands. And that's what they mean in Congolese drumming. And so he never appropriated it. But there were people who couldn't play the drums, who didn't practice and said because, simply because of their nearness to my brother that, that they own the drum. See you later, Rob. Rob has to go. Nice having you in. So there are many other things. I think of myself and my embrace of the yogic tradition, and oftentimes uh, Indians or, or different uh, people who are, are vaguely touched by Hinduism would talk to me about it, and though they could recite things or say things, they knew nothing about it. They didn't know the depths of what it, what, what it felt like because they, were they felt entitled to it. It's um, like the, any story of adoption, oftentimes an adopted child will be more reverential and more embracing of their adopted parents and show more gratitude than the children born of their own blood, flesh and blood. So let us opt outs, the people that think freely, embrace whatever you like wholeheartedly and freely. Show it reverence and love and go deep into it and understand. Not just the things you like, but the things you don't like about it. There are things I don't like about Hinduism and how it's expressed. I think following the laws of Manu and those types of uh, 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 the slokas and things like that and the Varnas is not what it was meant to be. It was supposed to be temporary, not forever. Uh, so that created the caste system. I think that's horrible. Uh, Hinduism has a great role for reverence of women, but many people don't adhere to that. Um, Hinduism never had a heavy concept, uh, this concept of, of shadism and racism, but it was adapted during colonial times and then morphed into something else. So I can call it out on that because it is me. It is my thing. Nobody owns it. Nobody copyrighted it. Nobody patented it. But the more that you embrace and understand and show reverence for these cultures and people, the more you grow as a human being. So I say people, get out there and do things you love and like, but cherish it. Know the history. Know the stories. Make them your own stories. Wear your hair any way you want, as long as you understand why it was. You know, with dreadlocks, most people who wear dreadlocks have no idea of why they're called dreads and why they did that, even people that do it. There was a term they used, those dreadful locks. And that was one of the terms they used, of course, during the time of the Mau Mau, 
Um, if you want to know about the Mau read Facing Mount Kenya by Jomo Kenyatta, and you'll understand the rise of the so-called Rastafarian movement and the difference between those dreadlocks and the dreadlocks of the Bifar and the Mau Mau who were revolutionaries and so forth. Then you travel the world and you look at the Naga Sadhus and Naga Babas, dreadlocks. You look at some of the people of the Viking culture, things like that, dreadlocks. You go to the Celtic people, dreadlocks. So who owns dreadlocks? I, was, I saw Eskimos, Samoans, with dreadlocks. So everybody, who owns it? Who owns it? Nobody owns it. Braided hair. Yeah, I, I've seen braided hair. I was in a place called Reykjavik, Iceland, and the people had hair braided. It's like everybody had it. They had different designs, different things, but nobody owns these things. So we want to be very careful. Uh, people would say... Uh, the pursuit of knowledge and the mastery of a language is a feature of Europeans. That's not a feature of Europeans. It's, it's, it's whoever wants to do it. It's whoever wants to do it. And so if you are called to something and love it, go deep into it. I would caution a person, though, to don't take something half-heartedly and make a cartoon out of it. Don't insult Muslims just to test yourself. And, and so, you know, people hold their, their views and values deep, especially if they're born into it. Even if they don't know anything about it, they have reflexes. So I would say honor those reflexes and understand where they come from. There are people that say that uh, their, their religion, they're deeply embedded in their religion because they were born into it. Most of them don't know much about their religion. They just say it. They, oh, I'm a Jew. I'm a Muslim. I'm a, Hindu, I'm a Buddhist. I'm a da -da -da, and they know nothing about it. So... If you love it, run with it. If it's music, if it's art, run with it. I know some of the best jazz artists, rappers, drummers, everything comes from so many different cultures. I remember traveling in Japan and they had rap groups that could rap in English but couldn't speak a word of English because they felt, they felt hip-hop. In their life, they could tell a hip-hop story. I ran into people in Russia the same way. I ran into some of the most ghetto black acting people in Russia. Anywhere there are poor, oppressed people, they're part of the ghetto. They're ghetto boys. And they can relate to Willie D. They can relate to Ice Cube because when he speaks to them, they feel like they're the niggas they're talking about. Wherever you go in the world. So... Let us opt out. We don't speak like that, cultural appropriation. I think they did that woman wrong who was working in some kind of weird organization and she would tell everybody she was black. Uh, this, she was the head of the NAACP and she claimed to be black. And I really have a problem with that because if she decided she believed in a cause, worked for the cause, and apparently did well, but then we flash forward a few years later and Bruce Jenner becomes Caitlyn, we all accept that because he decided that he's Caitlyn. What if she decided she's black in her heart and soul? Why can't we accept that? Years ago, there was a movie made called, um, uh, it was called um, Black Like Me. It was based on a book, and it was about a man who got injections to blacken his skin. And he put uh, something in his hair to make his hair curly, and he was a writer, and a true story, and he lived down south, as a black man. So he transitioned into a black man before they had that term. He transitioned to a black man. He got beat, abused, behavior, and he came back. He lost his mind. He ended up losing his mind. I think he committed suicide. 
So a white man was black for a year and he couldn't take it. And, but it was a wonderful and noble journey because he immersed himself into not just the culture of black people, but he immersed himself into the culture of America from a different perspective, from a different vantage point, and he couldn't take it. Had he been able to endure that, he could have brought a message back, but he mentally broke down. And he was, he was damaged forever from his experience. I would say to people, let's immerse ourselves in the things that we love and enjoy. Or even if you don't immerse yourself in it, embrace it, try it out. Um, if you're called to it, don't force yourself. But if you're called to it, go for it because it actually helps you grow. Your yogurt never goes bad, then it's always refreshed. If you ever um, want to cultivate any culture, you allow it to be refreshed on a regular basis, and that makes it stronger and more enduring. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, yeah, I love what you said, Z, this idea about going into something and just doing it wholeheartedly. And I'll, I'll relate this a little bit to myself, because I'm thinking about my journey and doing the spoken word. This idea of cultural mimesis, if you really embrace that, it gives you a tremendous amount of freedom. It, part of the challenge that I've had getting into music and getting out of some of my old habits is I just don't see myself that way. I see myself as one thing, you know, that I'm this stiff corporate model minority type. And even though there's a part of me that rejects that and rebels against that, there's still this overarching mental conception I have of who I am. And at times it makes it hard to move in different directions. And I've got to break that down. But if I never started from that point, if I started from a more fluid point, which is that, what am I? I'm just a collection of different experiences, different ideas, and that's fluid. That's free to evolve. I can take that in whatever direction I want. I can pick up things that are valuable. I can dismiss things that I don't like. I can really be anything. I can take from the best of humanity, sample from that buffet, and use it to strengthen myself. Maybe I would have found this much earlier. Uh, maybe even today I'd have an easier time shifting in this direction, even though I feel like it's, it's actually working out very well. Um, but I, I could probably accelerate this even more if I dropped some of those ideas. If I were used to approaching life with more of this fluid notion of who I am, uh, which, and I'm not talking about gender fluid for the record, but it's just fluid in terms of I can be anything. I'm not defined by labels. I'm not defined by boxes. I can pick up things that resonate with the essence of who I am that trigger something in my soul. That's the direction I'm going to go. It just seems like a much more productive way to live. It is, Vin, and as you're learning, as you're going out doing your spoken word, that stiffness that you're working to overcome is a dampening or breaking of the freedom of you. You've been drawn, to, I've always said that you started this maybe as a teenager, whatever, you would be world-renowned world for your art, your spoken word ability, which you have a great ability for, but somebody told you that's not what you're supposed to do. We don't do that. And that one thing has kind of uh, stifled you. It's put a dampener, a governor on, on everything you do, but you're, you're working with it and you're trying to unlock yourself. But it, it, it's a lot of energy going there. And what I would say is to throw away this idea that there's a way you should be. Any of us. Do the thing that you love. Follow that. Pursue it. Open your heart to it. Study it. Research it. Because everybody has a temperament for different things, a calling. Um, 
as a young child, I've shared that story before, my grandmother used to always call me doctor. She said, my baby is a doctor. He knows things. He can see things. And she was okay with that. I wasn't okay with that, and other people weren't, because of other issues within our culture. Um, yeah, yeah, go to school, be an engineer, do those things, but do it because it's a good career. Don't do it because you love it or you're drawn to it or you have a talent for it. Keep all that suppressed and do the thing that gets you a steady paycheck because that's what you're going to need. And it made sense for those people at that moment, but it didn't make sense now. Now I can see what my grandmother was saying. I have uh, some ability to remedy suffering. I do this beyond enjoyment. It's not, it is what I am. It is, it's what I do. It's what I am best at. Um, and, 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 and I'm hungry for it, and I, I never, that appetite never goes away, um, no matter what's going on. So if I would have followed the cultural idea, I may have pursued a similar career, but with, with the passion gone, with the energy out of it, with no real flavor in my mouth for it. So those are the things that I think we can learn by rejecting this idea of cultural mimesis and being okay with what you bring to the table. Um, you, you look at the world and how people fear labels based on their culture. There's a reckoning, for example, in the Hispanic Latino community about African Latinas or black Latinas or uh, mestizos or whatever it's called, this idea that we're not black. More and more of accepting that. And just be, it's okay because being Latino means I'm an aficionado of the Latino culture. Being Hispanic means I speak Spanish. It doesn't mean the color of my skin. Right? More and more people, for example, in the Asian community are accepting their blackness. Right? Because it doesn't mean Asia was the name of the whole world at one time. Aswad, Asia. It was all Asia, major Asia, minor. So everybody on freaking earth is some kind of Asian. Before people start claiming and naming things. So we're letting that go. Some of the young folks are already letting that go. I hope more and more do it. But for those of us who are kind of in the middle of all that, find your own self. Don't shy away from something because you told that you're, you're, you don't fit. Um, I've seen the best expression of every culture performed by somebody who wasn't born into that culture. Every single time that you see the best of something, it often is people that weren't born into it, but adopted it, and they revered their adopted place so much that it outweighed the adoration of people who were born into it, felt entitled to it, because accident of birth. Accident of birth doesn't make something yours. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, yeah, I follow you 100%. Uh, so this, this mindset of sampling from various cultures assimilating those into you. I think about a mosaic that you've got different textures, different patterns, and you create what, what resonates, what's going to give you something that's the most vibrant, that's the most effective, that's the strongest, whatever your measure is. Uh, but yeah, we can't do that if we've got this idea of cultural appropriation. So let's leave that behind. Let's be more fluid. Let's go down the cultural mimesis route. Do it respectfully. Don't just do it blindly. As you're saying, Z, go into it with reverence and respect. 
But if we do that, I think everyone benefits. We break down these walls, and we connect with other people, and we can really become the best version of ourselves. And forget saving the world. You save yourself by doing it. You're true to yourself, man. And that's where the world starts at. The world starts with you. All right? If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.